1: My head let me set the scene all right all right rip it how how do we meet let everyone know
0: so i just put out a tweet the other day because uh, i have about you know 1900 twitter followers it's not a lot but um about a tenth of them listen to my podcast and so i just kind a put of the tweet that says hey if you're not listening what can i do to convince you to listen to my podcast
1: that's right. sometimes that's all it takes is just to say hey what can i do Like half the people commented saying, "Yeah, all that's all you gotta do is ask and send me a link." Hold up, hold up, hold up! I I gotta say this: some of them are actually really funny. Some of them like wanted you to like jerk off on screen or like do some wild things. Like I I love comments like that. Your uh, listeners are pretty funny. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. That's the kind of humor that's on my podcast as well. I was glad you opened up with that um, jerking off joke just now. (laughs) That is exactly the kind of shit I do. And, uh, yeah, just, just, to, just to backtrack a little bit when you said my tweets in the past, I used to, I used to put out tweets just to kind of get some engagement with the fans to say, you know, like, hey, comment your favorite fighter and I'll tell you when they lost their virginity. <laughs> just to kind of, like, speculate like just kind of random shit, right? Um, but that was kind of what this one was, but in a little bit of a different vein, you know, just saying, uh, you know, what can I do? And, uh, someone had commented, call jail son and mediocre. And I said, I will never do that. And then uh, you jumped in. And then you said, uh, this is referencing their beef and you tagged jail and Luke. And I, I got a little triggered by that. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll own up to that. Because, I you know, Luke has an itchy blocking
1: finger. Oh, yeah, he does. And I was
0: like, yeah, he does. And I was like, I'm not trying to get blocked. Maybe just don't tag him, huh? But I was, you know, not trying to start anything. And then it all of a sudden blew up. We got this little back and forth, and then I got blocked. Um, uh, but I was really glad that you reached out, because uh, I was
1: definitely not looking for any NEP. Yeah, Here, here's the thing, I, I, I gotta throw this out there. When it comes to texting, even girls, I, I find this a lot in my dating life, like, when when a girl messages me, or I message her, you can take it one of two ways. Uh, Key and Peel did an amazing sketch on this, of, you know, interpreting what texts mean, uh, but in different tones. Like, you could take it as one tone, but the other person might take it a completely different, 180 degree different way. And I feel like that happens an awful lot on social media, especially on Twitter. When it comes to something that you're passionate about, I mean, I've been doing this since I was seven years old. I've been on radio since I was seven years old. And then when you said that, I was like, oh man, like, I was like, oh, you you, you got to understand. Like, I, it, it was kind of a weird situation, but you made a great point in what you just said. Luke Thomas has a really soft Button when it comes to the block or the mute he blocks his own fans I don't even have anything negative to say he, he'll block you if you mention them too much So I definitely understood that but you know, I, I was dealing with this I was dealing with that and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way and I was like fuck this like I, I need to get some respect and I blocked you but then you know what man I gotta be real like that, that. That's what it's all about. I was sitting there. and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, I, I've been in the scene for so long when it comes down to this scene that I, I ride or die for, man, I, uh, I, I put every, you know how it is in the podcasting MMA scene. You put everything into this, your, your, all of your energy. This is what we use as a getaway. I'm like, why did I block him? And I was looking back at like some of your past posts and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? This guy's doing the same thing I was doing back then. And I, maybe I just interpret it wrong. So I unblocked you. And what did I do? I messaged you on Instagram. What did I say to you?
0: He said, come on my show, let's tell the to and be friends. And I was like, you know what, that's a big dig of him. I'll, I'll fucking, of course I'll do that. I'll, I'll set aside some time. Let's let's
1: work the show. <laughs> I love how this relationship started. All right, so now that you guys got the gist of this, let's move forward, man. I mean, how did you get started with your podcast, man? Because uh, this is a fun scene. Right now, in 2019, one thing I've realized that's really different than, you know, back when I started like 2014, 15 16 17 even 2018 is this year. We don't have any superstars It really is just exciting fights exciting matchups and right now It's an exciting time to be in the MMA media world whether you're a journalist a podcaster or or even just a fan So h- how did you get started with your podcast man? Because I think you're at episode what? 20 uh, something right at this point Yeah, I'm actually just about
0: in episode 12 on okay. um, this podcast, I've got another podcast which I'll talk about in a little bit, um, which is I've been doing it for a little, over a year. But um, I really started be- this one because it's just as you said, MMA fans were a passionate bunch, and we're different from any other sports fans. I feel, and we really need something that's not the cookie cutter kind of broadcasting, like you mentioned. Thank you. And when I was looking at the uh, landscape of this, uh, you know, scene as you call it, there wasn't really something that to me. So I wanted to create the kind of content that I wanted to listen to. And what I wanted, to, after a big fight card, even, I mean, to me, they're all big. I like to just, I say that in general, like a big fight card, really mm-hmm. any big UFC card. Um, I go to the post press conference right away. I just, I want to watch all the content I can get to kind of digest what I just saw, especially if there was a spectacular finish or whatever. But there really wasn't a proper forum for MMA fans that are, you know, coherent and intelligent to share their opinions. So what I wanted to do with this podcast was to create a forum where we could gather up all the MMA Twitter community and, uh, talk about fights together. So every episode I'm encouraging open dialogue with my listeners. Um, I like for them to send in, uh, voice messages that I can read and react to on the podcast, which they do very often and I'm grateful for. And, uh, the interaction is amazing. So, uh, I really just started the podcast to to uh, connect with fans more. The, the other one I was mentioning before is uh, about a year and a half ago, I started another one with my friend uh, called Mixed Martial Opinions, which I still think is one of the better names of uh, MMA podcast. But the whole premise of that was that uh, he was not an MMA fan, and he wanted me to try and convince him to be Ooh. an MMA fan. So every week I would show him old fights, and we would break it down and react to it. So that was a little bit different, but... This is more, you know, what I'm doing now is more current events, talking about, you know, fight announcements and breakdowns and, and recapping the, the
1: fights from the night before. That's actually a really great idea. Even if you brought that into the podcast that you're doing right now, like did a segment, in your buddy in to like kind of, I, I like that idea. That's actually kind of a, a genius idea. But let me go back on what you just said about the Twitter community. Uh, for those of you guys out there that may be new to the MMA scene, I mean, we all started on the internet. I mean, there was no place for us to all really uh, get together and engage. I mean, yeah, now there's Twitter, which is a great community. But back in the day, there was the underground. And all all the diehards out there, all the old-timers, know exactly what I'm talking about. That is where we all started. Like, MMA grew on the internet. And now, going over to Twitter, the community is now there. And it's such a great bunch. I think the MMA community has a better group of uh of fans and and loyal people i mean we really are a barbaric bunch of of people that will get offended by this and that which you know could rub me the wrong way or rub anybody the wrong way sometimes but at the end of the day we love this sport we we back this up we, we will fight to the death to uh defend mixed martial arts and twitter over facebook over instagram i mean instagram is growing now but twitter is definitely where it's at right now um how long have you been on twitter for and uh, what do you like about the community on Twitter when it comes to mixed martial arts?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you said, the sport has really grown on Twitter, and uh, to the point where where fighters are are basically booking fights from you know Twitter beef. and the matchmakers are are looking at that and seeing what what the fans are engaged about, and they're making matches based on what we think. So it's so in true reality, too. The MMA Twitter community puts a lot of fights.
1: It, it feels like we have a say. And a lot of the exactly. what happens, and out yeah, of the, any so, sport uh, out there, like you I've look been at. I was
0: on Twitter for uh, for a couple of years, but I really just found the MMA Twitter scene uh, back in March, really when I started my podcast, uh, because I was I was seeing I was following before I was just following a lot of journalists and the fighters yeah. to kind of just stay up date on the news, but I wasn't really connecting with fans. And then I you know, shout out to my man No Turn on Stone. He has those Fight Night follow trains. And oh, those that's are good. I really accessed the uh, MMA Twitter community and it just blew up
1: from there. I, I like that you brought that up too because we see a lot of that on Fight Night. On Fight Night, in case you guys don't know, if you're listening to this and you aren't on Twitter, I really recommend if you're an MMA fan, jump on Twitter, make a profile because the community there is amazing. And you can find on Fight Night, those are the most exciting nights because we all engage one another. We share our opinions on every fight and all the little things that happen with not even in the fight, but like just in the broadcast or leading up to a certain fight or the walkout or the walkout. Like, it's, it's just so fun to be on Twitter and, and really meet a lot of people that are seeing the same things or maybe you might miss something that's brought up. I mean, it's such a great community. And I like what you just brought up there, the follow train. There are so many people out there that do that. And it makes you realize you don't see that in the NBA. You don't see that in the MLB, the NFL, or any other sport, the MMA community is unlike anything you've really ever seen in, 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 in sports community, for real. It's so different. Right. It takes a special kind of person to want to watch uh,
0: two human beings get in their cage half naked and, and try and kill each other under uh, sanctioned rule set. Uh, we're really uh, different in that way, so we need stuff like that. We need those follow trains to be able to access our community. And uh, like you said, the Twitter scene, then when I first jumped on, I, I, I got the feeling that I was like in a bar. Now I'm sitting at yeah. home I'm having a beer, maybe smoking a J, and I'm watching <laughs> these slides, tweeting about it. People tweet me back, and I'm like, this is exactly the kind of engagement I would get at a bar. It's just online, and it's great.
1: Man, I had Jimmy Smith on the show the other day, uh, and if you guys don't know who Jimmy Smith is, a commentator on Bellator, UFC, now he's over at Titan FC. He was saying, man, and I got to ask you the same question, like I've gone to Buffalo Wild Wings and I'll watch fights and it could be really annoying for people that really don't watch all the time. Do you find trouble going to bars and and talking uh, about fights that are on? I mean, last time I was there was Stipe versus DC and I I remember just getting so frustrated about what people were saying around me and, and this and that. Do you uh, do you go out and do you do that or like how do you watch the fights? Do you watch them alone? Do you watch them with your friends? How do you usually go about a fight night?
0: Yeah, you know it really depends. I'm, I'm glad you asked. It. That is a really interesting question. So I, I usually go to the bar for the pay per views because I'm not trying to spend you know yeah, seventy dollars on top of my ESPN Plus subscription. Oh. But uh, well, I, I watched the other nights at home or with friends. When we'll order some pizza and, and have a couple beers, watch the fights at home. So I get a bit of both. And when I go to the bar and, and I'm, I'm, I try different spots to kind of see what's the best vibe. Because when you go to a, a, a bar where there's like other sports fans or casual fans, they don't get it. Um, or they're just not paying attention and it's just whatever and you can just watch them kind of sort of in peace but in public. But then you get like, I was just for these last bites, they, they, they'll, They're they so fickle, man, these fans. like, and, and they'll come up with the most ridiculous things. They'll say like, Oh, he's got no chance here, and then that guy ends up winning. I mean they just don't know. I mean,
1: sometimes they just say the most ridiculous things. it's hard to swallow and I like what you just said because there's a lot of people that will relate to that. It's so hard. It's it's not hard. It's expensive to be an MMA fan nowadays. You gotta pay for Flow Combat. You gotta play for the zone. You gotta play for BKFC, you gotta pay for uh UFC Fight Pass, you gotta play for ESPN plus you got to pay for uh, the internet. You got to pay for cable. I mean, you got to pay for pay-per-views. You're going to be broke. You're going to be broke. I mean, most MMA fans are going to go uh, on welfare just for loving the sport. And the fighters don't even get paid that much. It's it's really messed up, if you ask me. I mean, uh, I was listening to uh, Brandon Schaub's show today, and uh, I actually do a show with James McSweeney, who is one of Brandon Schaub's really good friends, and we were talking about the same thing a couple of weeks ago. About How expensive it really is to be an MMA fan a die-hard MMA fan that you don't want to just watch the UFC You want to watch Bellator you want to see what's going on in the regional scene. You want to see the old fights on fight pass It's so expensive nowadays. The pay-per-view model is dying and then you, you it, it, It's just so Frustrating and it's so expensive to be an MMA fan this day and age There's no way to really keep up with it and you feel like I don't know about you, man. But if I miss a pay per view, I wake up the next day with anxiety. Like, I need to, I need to go back and watch it somehow. Like, it, it's so hard and it's so expensive being an MMA fan. Uh, do you relate to that or what?
0: Absolutely. It's one of those things where it's kind of like the ups and the downs, of the pros and the cons, if you will, of the free market. Because, on the one hand, you know, when the when UFC was really the only player in town. They didn't need to do so many, uh, you know, subscription-based things,
1: and yeah. you weren't having to have all these other shows. But now, Bellator's on the scene, ones on the scene. You got the Zone, you've got the One FC app, and, PFL, and all different things yeah. that you have to do. It's it, it, it's a little much. To be honest,
0: like I wish they would do something like the WWE or something where you have like a twenty dollars a month package that you can watch everything on there, the pay-per-views come with it. Like I would gladly pay a little more just to get the pay-per-views included.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and at least,
0: at least give us something that's worth you know spending that much on these these cards. Say for maybe the last one and then this upcoming card two thirty nine are really on uh, have been that worth it. I think.
1: Honestly, man, I gotta say this: like the Bellator thing that's going on right now, it's so confusing. And sometimes, like, yeah, Bellator is doing a lot better than they have in the last five years, but. When you got to switch over to the Zone, you got to switch over to Paramount Network, then you got to go to the Bellator app. I mean, all of that's confusing. The ESPN era right now that we're in, I mean, listen, I was trained under ESPN. They, they do a great job over there. UFC being signed to ESPN, that's amazing. But here's the thing with that. There are only four cards this entire year that are actually going to be on ESPN. This upcoming card isn't even that stacked. Wouldn't you think the UFC would stack the card to reach the casual fans or people that, you know, maybe have never even seen a UFC fight? Wouldn't you stack that, like, none of that makes sense to me. I feel like everything is just spread across. They're not doing a good job of man, like, I feel like it's so confusing this day and age to to be an MMA fan. And another thing that really bothers me uh, that we can get into is, I think this is really weird. Like, if you go to a concert, for instance, you're going to see the least favorite band, then you're going to see the, the mid-favorite band, and then you're going to see the band you showed up for. UFC does it backwards. You'll see some names that you know on Fight Pass. You'll see some names that you know on the prelims. But then on the main card, you'll see names you don't know. And then it goes in the co-main and main event. Like, I feel like you should stack all the best talent at the top of the card, not spread out through it. Have you seen that before? And Could you relate to that? Like, how, how do you feel about that, spreading the card Uh, thin like that instead of making it solid like you would see in boxing boxing has all the top guys on the main card not in the UFC though
0: yeah it's it's a little weird it's one of those things where it's becoming almost just oversaturated with like their roster is so huge and they have all these deals and commitments with ESPN and and their pay-per-view partners and everything that they have to pretty much put on a show every weekend so they're having to just sometimes throw these cards together last minute and with injuries and everything it gets really hard like just to go what you, what you said about this kind of reverse order in the concert uh, analogy uh, like uh, what was it 238 a couple of weeks ago Caitlin Jukagian and uh, John Calderwood oh, with the curtain jerk on Fight Pass I was like what are you kidding me <laughs> these are one of the more recognizable names and, and, and they're starting off the night fighting for and that's the thing like People that watch the fights live in the arena, they don't go early. So so these are like, you know, in my opinion, rising stars fighting for like 200 people.
1: That's one thing that I've really stood next to for a long time now. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, they want to keep interest. Man, the interest is in the main card. Like, Like, if you have an upcoming rising star, put them at the headliner of the prelims. But in the main card, you want all people that you know. If like Break it down. For a pay-per-view, if you're going to pay $70, you better know that it's going to be stacked talent. Because you're going to be paying, what is it? If you break $70 into five fights, it's about $13, $14 per fight that you're paying for. Think about that. That's expensive. Wouldn't you rather be like, alright, I don't care about any of those fights. I wish I could just pay for the co-main event and the main event. I'd rather just pay $20 and only see those two fights. What do you think about that idea? Do you think the UFC should uh, maybe offer that? Maybe they can get some more money if they just do that? Because sometimes you you may get five cards uh, or, or five fights on there, and you're only interested in two, but you don't want to pay $70 for it. Wouldn't you rather pay 20 and watch two fights? What do you think about that? Yeah,
0: you know, I think that's
1: an interesting idea, and I don't think that they will, but I will yeah, to Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't I think I might vote for that because, you're going
0: to have your percentage of the, of the hardcore fans that are going to pay the full 70 no matter what. But you're going to get some casuals that wouldn't have tuned in. But with this new option, they might say, well, yeah, yeah. I'll pay for the main. You know, I mean,
1: that's not bad. Here's the other thing that really bothers me. I, I, I feel like if you pay for a pay-per-view, you should be able to keep that pay-per-view forever. Not just 48 hours. You should, If you pay $70 for something, I want that thing forever. I don't want to let that thing go, Are you, especially in boxing. if We're going to pay a hundred dollars for a boxing pay-per-view, motherfucker. I want that for the the rest of my life. Seventy dollars, like that's my car insurance bill. You know what I mean? Like, come on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's ridiculous. You know, that's why they they uh, they really got to be quicker with uploading those to to fight
1: pass. Now moving forward, yeah, for, uh, I got for I I got to ask you this, man. Uh... It's such a crazy year. I mean, we got BKFC going on. We got Bellator, PFL. uh, BKFC, like I just said, has really been standing out a lot. Have you been following with BKFC? And are are you impressed just after six events they're able to bring this many uh, people in? And do you think that they can keep this excitement going now that Artem vs. Pauly has now gone past us? I I have been following a
0: little bit, and... um... I got to say, I'm, I'm intrigued, but also not hopeful for them. I mean, it's fun, and especially with names like Arden, like, you know, Artem is must-see TV for me, no matter mm-hmm. what I'm tuning in. I mean, he could be fighting, if you tell me something, some weird match where, you know, their, like, hands are tied behind their backs and they can only, like, do takedowns. I, I'm watching that. I mean, I fucking love Artem. But, you know, the longevity of bare-knuckle, with the kind of wars these guys are getting into. I mean, I know you discussed a little bit, and and they've talked about it, you know, right? I heard your uh, interview with Dakota. It's more superficial, and it's a little bit less brain trauma because they can't hit as hard. But uh, scar tissue and stuff like that doesn't really, you know, it's for for a longevity of a career. You know what I'm talking about? The the fighters are not going to want to sign up for that.
1: It's How really many like times a year can you really do that is what you're saying. Like, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. It's
0: more of an end of the road for, for retired MA buyers. And I'm happy for them. I mean, some of these guys are getting paydays that they never got there in their my career, and that's awesome. I mean, BKFC's throwing a lot of money at these guys, and, and they deserve it. But to that point, you know, is that a sustainable business model? If they have the ca- the, the capital to, to supplement that, please, I mean, let's have Bernacal FC every few weeks. But uh, it just seems like, uh, a little bit of a circus at this point, and just sort of like fun fights, yeah. like kind of exhibitions, and, and I'm fine with that. If that's what it's all it all intends to be, then, then God bless
1: him. Now, before we talk about these upcoming fights, man, there's one tweet that you killed me on. Uh, there was a picture of TJ Dillashaw with his mustache, and you wrote, <laughs> he puts the PED and pedophilia, and I thought that was that was something that my boy Adam Hunter would post. But it it was so up and above and just right on point with it. How did how do you come up with this? Like, do you watch a lot of comedy or like how how do you come up with this shit?
0: Oh man, you did your research. That was uh, that was like a, a while ago. That was like right after the news broke, and I couldn't believe that after we were you know on such scrutiny over every little move he was gonna make. I mean, he put up that video of him in a sling, like, crying. He was kind of bloated. It was weird. He put up this photo, T-D-O-S-H does, of him in this pedophile mustache, just just a creep stash. And I just, I mean, it's right there, I I couldn't believe I was the first to make the joke, to be honest. I was like, well, it's right there. So, yeah, yeah but he put the P-E-D in
1: pedophile. Listen. Uh, but, to your point, I've been doing uh, I've been doing comedy since I was fourteen, oh, and uh, wow. acting since I was eight. So that that
0: uh, kind of quick humor just comes to me, I guess.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's let's go back on that because I find that really interesting about your character. You you say say that one more time. You you did what when you were seven? Um, I grew
0: up doing theater. You know, I, I started wow. doing like your Shakespeare and then plays in school, um, and then I went to college for acting. So I've been I've been in entertainment for a long time.
1: Dude, you're on. You're on the same path. I, I was in broadcasting when I was seven years old on, on the radio doing interviews. My first interview was with Stone Cold Steve Austin. at seven years old, right when they were getting the heat of uh, Vince McMahon, like right before that all blew up. So, like, I, I, do you, can you relate with me on this? Like, when you first got into that, when you first found interest, you knew in that moment your life was going to change. This is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life. Is that how you felt at such a young age?
0: One hundred percent. It's a calling. I mean, yeah. You don't uh, you don't just wake up one day and decide to be a broadcaster or decide to be an actor. It's something that you're kind of, you know, you have that gene and you. You want the spotlight in a sense, but also we're, we're different kind of people.
1: I got to get like, okay. Uh, for, <laughs> for those of you guys that are just listening to the podcast, when he was just saying that, I had T.J. Dillashaw on that uh, pedophile mustache looking at me during that whole thing. I had to get that off the screen. So if you're, watch- if you're listening to the podcast, make sure to go subscribe on the YouTube channel so you can see how awkward that just was. But uh, moving <laughs> forward, man, what are, what are some of your uh, favorite comedians right now that people out there that, you know, enjoy comedy? They got Netflix. They got this. They got that. Or they got YouTube. Uh, what, what are some comedians that are standing out to you right now for people to check out? Because I'm interested in that. I love comedy.
0: Um, for me, number one right now is uh, Chris D'Elia. Yeah, I knew I'm you were going to say guy. that,
1: man. I knew you were going to say that.
0: He, he's killing it. Honestly, his his podcast is on the subject of the podcast. Uh, congratulations. Yes. Uh, I, I fucking, I, I can't, uh, I can't get it up. I
1: don't miss an episode. Are you it a is, baby? Uh, Are you a baby? Because I'm a baby. I am a true baby. <laughs> uh, did you no see what he did today? Bitch. Did you see what he was doing today? He was uh, back in the cipher, uh, trying to beat Eminem.
0: I honestly, I I've only watched that once, and I'm gonna probably watch it uh, at least three more times before the day's over. Me... I mean, that, that was awesome. I, I I was uh like I saw when he first put out those videos impersonating Eminem, and then Eminem randomly
1: one responded,
0: said, "Whoa!" I thought I was listening to myself, and, I, and right there I was like. Are they ever going to do something? And then when they dropped that single with Logic, with Logic and then put yes. uh, Crystally at the uh, end, uh, that was
1: incredible. <laughs> I was dying when I listened. My cheeks hurt right now. My cheeks hurt right now. Uh, when, when that song with Logic and Eminem dropped, and then you heard Chris's uh, uh, fucking rap. The mannequin and a branquin. Yeah. I mean, he,
0: he was just like old Eminem.
1: Yo, legit. My cheeks hurt right now from laughing so hard. So today, for you guys, uh, go on Instagram right now. Type in on uh, Cristalia, and you get. And if you haven't seen this, bro, Juice. If you haven't seen this, go to his Instagram. And uh, <laughs> here, let me just fucking play. It. I'll put your phone next to it. Look, because I haven't watched it. I just saw the first clip of it. Let's uh, let's react to this real quick. Big bills like a platypus of caterpillars coming to get the cannabis, I'm looking for the smoke which you motherfuckers scatter and batter and everything and I've had it with the inadequate mannequin. See you dick know, and
2: stand as if it's a mannequin. And I'm bring the banana back in the fucking hebanic and a handkerchief and I'm thinking of bringing the fucking this gloves back and not giving a singular fuck like fuck.
1: I sound like a fucking millionaire with a dare with a hair trick, about the bear hooking fucking terry and a rick flare. So that clip that I'm just playing right now, it's the actual music video. And Eminem had Chris Delia act as Eminem. How fucking crazy is that?
0: Yeah, they switched up the roles. He, he, uh, I love the part in the video where the incoming message from Eminem
1: comes. Oh, shit, we lost, we lost juice, guys. We just lost juice. Can I pull him in on Instagram? Is a good fucking question right now. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fucker, fuck, fuck. Fucker, fuck, fuck, fuck. Guys, hold on. We ain't we ain't doing it like that. We ain't, we ain't doing it like that. We ain't this is not gonna go down like this. Where is my iPad? Yo. That didn't just happen. That didn't just fucking happen just like that. Where's my iPad? Yo. This gotta be a fucking joke. Guys, hang in there with me. I gotta find the fucking iPad. This is crazy, man. My phone just fucking died. My phone just died on juice. We're gonna call him back in in two seconds. But my iPad is uh somewhere over here. It's got unless somebody stole it. Unless somebody fucking stole my iPad, I will fucking kill someone if my iPad is gone. What the fuck? That was Juice fighting with myself podcast. We're gonna call him back in, in literally two seconds. But uh, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding with me right now? We were just getting into some fucking heat right there. Leah, Theo Vaughn. Listen, here's one thing that really pisses me off about Theo Vaughn. We're gonna call. uh, We're gonna call Juice back in, in one second. I just plug my phone in. It'll we'll take literally. 60 seconds to get that thing uh, up and going. But Theo Vaughn, here's one thing that really pissed me off about Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn was following me for about a year, year and a half on Twitter. He blew up, got all famous. Motherfucker blocked me. Motherfucker blocked me for some reason. Not block, he didn't block me actually. He unfollowed me. That's what I meant. He was following me from 2016 to 2018. Then unfollowed me. That's the one thing that pissed me off. But Crystal Leah, I mean, there, there's so many people in the scene. I don't know how much you guys follow with uh, you know, the MMA scene. It really goes into, you know, the podcasting world. If you like Joe Rogan, you're gonna end up falling down the rabbit hole of of Leah, uh, Joe Coy, you're gonna fall down the rabbit hole of uh Brendan and Brian Callan on the fighter, obviously. But then you get these gems in there. Crystal Leah is the number one comedian right now. Uh, Even, what the fuck is his name? (sighs) Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony Hinchcliffe is one of my favorite guys to listen to. His show that he does with uh, Jeremiah Watkins. Jeremiah, man. I mean, there's all these little gems that you find along the way about being an MMA fan. But uh, really quick, let me get juice back on the phone, because that that's messed up, man. My phone just died right on him, and I think it was a really good interview. Man, I, honestly, I haven't listened to his podcast yet, but just looking at how many people engage with him on Twitter, very impressive, very impressive. So make sure you guys go follow Fighting With Myself Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Potomatic, Matic, I'm sure it's all over the place. Player FM, but really quick, let me call him back right now because this, I can't end the show like this. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Let's get Juice. Let's get Juice back up in there. All right, we got a. All right, here we go. We're gonna call Juice back right now. Juice. Speaking of Juice, you guys see OJ Simpson? Hello, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Alright, let's call Juice back real quick. What happened? He said. <laughs> let's call him. That's great. Oh wait, wait. I can actually uh call a cell phone. How about we do that? That might be a little uh a little fuck. I'm doing it again. Fuck. Fucker, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh I guess is that what he motherfucker. My dude! Ha. <laughs> No, my fucking phone died. My fucking phone died on you. But uh, here, let me, let me. I got you pulled in here. Let let's finish that little conversation that we got going on right now. So you're following all these comedies. I was just saying to everybody, like, if you're an MMA fan, you're gonna fall down a rabbit hole of uh, you know Theo Vaughn. You're gonna fall down the rabbit hole of Chris D'Elia. You're gonna fall down the rabbit hole of Brian Callan, Joe Coy, one of my Tony Hinchcliffe, uh, Joe Rogan. You're going to fall down all those rabbit holes. So I feel like comedy is a big part of being in the MMA scene. And we lost them again. (laughs) This is crazy, man. All right, we got you back. I I feel like comedy is a big part of being in the MMA scene. Do you feel like if if no one's listening to your podcast yet, would you say that your show is similar to more of, a serious, but more comedic style of podcasting?
2: Yes, absolutely. I would say that um, I try to be serious, but I'm not a serious person, so it doesn't always come across that way. And, and definitely, since I am a baby, Crystal <laughs> uh influence is definitely uh, in my, my podcast style, for sure.
1: Now, here, here's one thing, because I've been doing uh, MMA podcasting for a while. Sometimes, you want to branch out from that. You want to do something different. Do you feel like, you know, if you could fast forward two years, where do you see yourself in podcasting? What do you? What kind of product do you think you're going to be putting out in the next two years?
2: Well, in the next two years, I think I'd, I'd really like to have uh, my, my podcast really be more inclusive where um, I really got influence from everybody. Right now, I don't have any... Um, um, fighters joining the podcast because i feel like i just want to do my own thing for a while until i get the notoriety that I can really uh deserve that kind of uh following so i guess really get to the point where i got fighters that's gonna be on the show
1: i feel like it's better though i feel like it's better if you don't have fighters on sometimes because like when i first started doing interviews with fight like real real interviews with fighters you can't be yourself all the time. You you feel like you got to follow that cookie cutter guideline at the beginning until you can get more comfortable and like build a relationship with the fighters. So it could be a little weird sometimes. And I feel like people enjoy just people being themselves most of the time. You know, I feel like that could be better.
2: Yeah, and that's that's what I enjoy too. Like if it ends up being like this, you know, for for a while, I'm totally cool with that. I mean, I love doing my own thing, and and people are loving. It. I'm I'm I've been a great reaction from from my listeners, so it's good.
1: Before we end this interview, I got to ask you this, man. I got two more questions. Number one, we got four minutes left in this interview. So predictions for this weekend, Francis Ngannou versus JDS. First, one through 10, how excited are you? 10 being the best, one being the least excited. How excited are you for that main event?
2: I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good solid eight. I think it could end up being one of those one of those nights where, I don't know if you remember, like, UFC Greenville this last weekend not a lot of people were excited for that card. But you know what? Those fights fucking delivered in terms of action. And that's kind of what I'm hoping from the main event especially. Um, I don't expect a lot of action from from the rest of the like the pre Lisbon stuff, but the main card is, is good. Paul Craig and uh, uh, and Alonzo Menifield. That's going to be a fun fight. Polo Reyes, Drew Dober. But yeah. as far as the main event, gun to my head, I picked JDS. Because I feel like a lot of people kind of forgot, you know, who he was. And, and he's had a, good, a bit of a good resurgence lately. A lot of people are really high on Francis Ngannou because those, you know, 25-second knockouts. Uh, but I think JDS can kind of weather that early storm and uh, drag him into deep waters. At least that's what I'm hoping. I mean, with heavyweights at that level, with the amount of power they both possess, it's it's really a coin flip.
1: Here's the other thing about all that. I feel like if you're a fighter, there's no way that once you watch that overream fight, you're gonna step in the octagon with francis and not be a little like i hope that don't happen to me you know what i mean like how are you not fearing that yeah. happening i mean the, he decapitated
2: that man a i man got just, nervous like, he was out before he hit the ground
1: that's so my co-host is best friends with uh Al- alistair Overeem and, and and his brother and that was very very hard for james and myself to watch that happen because I literally, I thought that Ovarim's neck maybe, like I thought his neck snapped. I was scared, man. It was almost, we saw the same thing with Jessica Evil Eye and Valentina Chevchenko. I was nervous.
2: Especially a guy like Alistair's been knocked out like in in terms of MMA and kickboxing like 16, 17 times. and, And, I mean, even he himself, he was like uh you know after the after the fight i saw a couple of interviews where he said yeah it looked really scary on tv you know he kind of acknowledged
1: that it looked nasty all right moving forward what is your prediction how do you think that fight's gonna end because i honestly here, here's the thing did, did you watch the weigh-ins today i did i really enjoyed this about francis Ngannou. i mean everyone when he lost his deep was like oh He's getting cocky. He, he thinks he's this. He thinks he doesn't have to practice with takedowns. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. I feel like now, if you watch the weigh-in show today, he's very humble, very friendly. I like this side of Francis Ngannou that we saw today at the weigh-ins. I like this, Francis. You're absolutely right.
2: I mean, watching that, I kind of... I, I said JDS when he asked me just now, Is that's what I said on my podcast, and I didn't want to go back on that. But that... Um... That element you just spoke on really, that that could uh, add a wrench into things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, you're right. He was cocky before that Stevie fight, and, and that was a wake up call for him. So I kind of feel like, you know, he's maybe knows his own weaknesses in a sense. They're, they're honestly they're both similar in that way because they're both humble guys. Just kind of like really smiling, but with scary knockout power. I mean, Francis is like, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and JDS is like,
1: uh... No! The phone died again! The phone died again. I guess that does it for the fuck. <laughs> Every girl that knows me knows that my phone's always dying. Every girl I talk to says... Your phone's always on 7%, why? Because I'm always on Twitter, I'm always on Instagram, I'm trying to, oh, why the fuck did that just happen twice, man? All right, I, I really want to thank Juice, fighting with, fuck, I'm so, that was such a good talk, man. I could picture somebody like Juice as my co-host. I enjoy talking to this guy, and I feel like his podcast gotta be straight fire, man. I mean, I, I love what this kid's doing, he's only, he's not even 20 episodes in, and he's already got a great following, fighting with myself, podcast guys you got to go check it out Spotify iTunes also on Twitter at FWM underscore pod because he, he's coming out with some gold nuggets I mean the the, the TJ Dillashaw thing how do you not look? look at this picture if you're listening to the podcast go follow it on uh, YouTube at Pure Evil MMA look at this he puts PED and pedophilia the picture of TJ Dillashaw I can't I can't look at I can't look at oh, get that out my face, yo. But uh I really want to thank Juice for that interview. My fucking phone died and uh that, that, that's just something that uh <laughs> something I'm ashamed of. It happens every fucking day. But guys, I want to thank you so much. Let me know what your predictions are for this weekend's fight. Is it Francis? Is it JDS? How do you see this fight going down? What are your predictions? Comment down below. I'm Evil Eddie from Pure Evil MMA, pure evil Remember, without evil. There's no purity. When knuckles to the end, believe yourself.